1: Brought to you by TonyWCoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. This is Tony Wexler, your host, and on this podcast, we talk about positive issues to bring positive content into the world. There's a lot of talk today about mental health and stress management. We can have these struggles in both our personal lives and in our businesses. However, have you ever found that sometimes you can carry your business frustrations home with you at night? On today's episode, we're going to discuss the importance of fostering a workplace environment that prioritizes mental well-being. And to help me with this topic, I want to welcome my friend Lauren. Lauren, welcome to the podcast.
0: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive into this topic.
1: Well, this is great. This is going to be a fun topic. I think it really needs to be talked about because there is that kind of joining together of our work life and our business life with all this high stress out there in the world today. I think, you know, it'll be very interesting. So tell us a little bit more about you and your story and how this topic of mental health for business became something that resonated with you.
0: Okay. Well, I'll try to keep my short, my story short and sweet. (laughs) In my former life, I was in the medical field. I worked in pediatric neurology and epilepsy research was on my way to being a doctor, and then we had a little baby come in that, um, on our epilepsy monitoring unit that we treated team treated and the insurance company came back and said, we're not going to pay for their continued treatment. And it was just one of those moments where you have this, at least I felt like I had this out of body experience where I realized that at the end of the day, medicine is run by insurance companies and insurance companies are dictating patient care instead of doctors who actually know better. And so I just said in that moment, I don't want to be part of this machine that I don't think is actually doing what's best for the health of, of individuals. And I left and I, I kind of had this identity crisis because I'd, I had involved so much of my life and my identity around the medical field uh, that I really didn't explore anything else. I, I did all the things you're supposed to do. And so when I left, I really kind of felt like a cork in an ocean, trying to find my way to figure out what was, what way was up. And um, I was talking to a mentor one day crying in my grits. And he said, you know, I really think you should be a consultant. And this was keep in mind, this was 12 years ago. So this was way before being a consultant was even remotely cool. And if you were one, you normally worked for the big four. So I looked at him kind of dumbfounded and said, Why, how, how could I possibly a consultant, you know, I've worked in medicine, I haven't worked in business. And, and he said, you have a really unique gift of being able to diagnose based on symptoms. And the thing that most business owners need is an objective third party to help them see what they can't see. And because you diagnose tiny humans for years, I think that this would actually be pretty good for you as a career. And he ended up being right, though I will say I field forward for five plus years of those 12, trying to figure out how to niche down and sell and deliver all the, all the things that come with running a business. And it was about six years ago that one of my clients actually nicknamed me the biz doctor, because he said, um, it's like you put my business in an MRI machine and you were like, there's the cancer. And um, I said, Joel, that's really graphic and a little bit gross, but I do, I do see your point. And it just kind of stuck. But the reason why the mental health of entrepreneurs is so important to me is because I realized during my own journey and working with as many entrepreneurs as I do, that there's this really interesting and pervasive thought of trying to compare your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel or subscribing to this Gary V hustle culture where you, you can't miss out on, you know, working for an hour here because then you're going to miss your big client or something. And so for me, the year was 2016. Is that right? No, it wasn't 2016, 2018. There we go. 2018. And, um, we had had our best month ever, month over month growth. Like really, it was everything was going well, except my mental health. I was burning the candle at both ends. I was dropping balls. The team was dropping balls. Like it was, it was feeling like I was barely holding it together. And I remember crying at my desk. I know there seems to be a crying theme here, but um crying at my desk on a Friday and just being like, I can't do this anymore. And I really seriously considered shutting down my whole business, like finishing the clients that I had, and then just, just going back to corporate America. And, um, I did the smartest thing I probably could have ever done in that moment. I shut my computer and I took an entire day on Saturday and didn't turn on a piece of electricity. Well, I turned on electricity, but I didn't turn on an electronic. Let's put it that way. And caught up on sleep, reading laundry, all the things, felt like a new person on Sunday. And then that's when I realized that because so often we feel like we are our businesses or there's no clear line of demarcation between an office and a house anymore that we have to really focus in on being proactive with our mental health.
1: That is just so true right there. I mean, there's so much that you just talked about in your story that we can unpack. I love (laughs) Yeah. The, the business doctor and the whole diagnostic thing, because yeah. it really it does relate. I mean, that's what we do as coaches and consultants. We go in, we listen to our clients, tell us what the symptoms are mm-hmm. and what's going on in their life. And then we try to figure out what the next steps will be, what the cure is. And yeah. you know, a lot of people, they, they have the cure within them. They know what they're supposed to do. Like mm-hmm. probably deep down inside, you knew yeah that you needed to take some time off yeah. but you would convinced yourself that no I have got to keep working I've got to keep working at this pace until it finally you know was that pri- uh, proverbial 2 by 4 across the back head saying that hey Absolutely. you're going to do this or you're going to crash I think that is really important along on that journey then because we have a few things you know that you're doing obviously being able to have that moment that what I call wake up call moment where you just decide I have to do something. Something's got to change here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, you had that a couple times, really, because you had that when you first started your business and got into doing it, getting out of that the medical field. It was just you didn't really resonate with that culture anymore because of the things that were going on. So that was your first wake up call. Then your second wake up call was having to do with hey, I got to start taking better care of myself because if I come in and I'm not healthy, it's like a doctor who's not healthy. He's not going to be able to care for patients very much longer if he continues to get sick because he's working all those crazy hours. So mm-hmm. what do you think if someone is starting to notice some of these signs, what would the first thing that you would recommend them to do as far as mm-hmm. to get their mental health back together?
0: I lovingly say that burned out business owners, burn down businesses, And so I would say, because the symptoms of a mental health shift or you being burned out are things like increased anger, increased frustration, feelings of overwhelm, exhaustion, being sharp or hair trigger temper, or um, just feeling like a low hum of anxiety. And it's, it sounds really simple, but the best way to overcome that and like take a moment for your mental health is to do one of three things. One disconnect from all of the platforms, the Slack, the emails, the whatnot, and actually go somewhere outside of your office, whether it's on your back patio, a walk, you know, I love going for walks around um, the lake in, in Austin, call up a friend and just say, hey, I need to vent about something. Cause I think that there's there's this really interesting thing that happens with friends sometimes where if somebody calls and they and they're sharing, like we immediately want to help and we want to fix. And I learned many years ago that sometimes people just want to vent. So I like to ask when people are sharing, do you want me to listen or do you want me to support? And that way they can ask for what they need in the moment. So, disconnect, call a friend or go take a nap. Like honestly, sleep can fix so much and if you look at what happens to our brain when we sleep, the fact that, you know, it gets washed, our all of the data gets filed away, it actually solves a lot of problems subconsciously while you're sleeping. Like if you ever have a problem that you just can't get, you know, a solution to, ask your brain to solve it while you're sleeping. And you'll be surprised that when you wake up in the morning, you'll be like, Oh, that's how to do it. So, you know, just like a cranky toddler probably needs a nap. A lot of times either getting better sleep or taking a nap or just taking a moment and stepping back will be really helpful. But then the fourth thing is actually fun. So go do something that's actually really fun. Cause something happens when you move your body and, and you go do something fun. Is it kind of disengages your brain enough that it stops getting stuck in that loop. So, you know, some of my favorite things to do when I'm feeling stuck, if it's rained, I go put on my red hunter rain boots and I go jump in puddles. Actually, one of my best friends said, she's like, I channeled you the other day. It was a rainstorm. And I told Dan, her husband, we went and ran in the rain. And that made me so happy because she's like, it was so fun. So jumping in mud puddles, there's a trampoline class that I go to. Um, dance class, movies, whatever you find to be fun. Cause I think that I don't think this is going to be a very popular opinion, but I think Gary V and his hustle culture did actually a lot of damage to business owners and um, creating this fear that if we're not working 24 seven, or if we're not up at 4am and going to bed at 11 or whatever his system is that somehow we're going to miss out on business or clients or, some big something. But what I have found is what is, this is a little woo, but what is meant for you will not pass you by. So it might be delayed a little bit, but it's certainly not going to miss you. So don't fear that by taking some time for yourself that you're going to, you're going to miss out on something.
1: You'll have to have someone take a picture of you in those red boots. They're <laughs> jumping in the mud puddles. That would be- oh, that would be great. If you go I, on
0: Instagram. It's there.
1: I'll have to look for that. I, I, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes, which is life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's about dancing in the rain. And that's exactly, you know, what yeah. we're doing. We have to learn to have fun with our life. We have to learn to, like mm-hmm. you said, unplug a little bit and unplug doesn't necessarily mean doing nothing. Cause right. sometimes there are some people like I tend to be very high energy. So I don't unplug and just sit around and do nothing. I have to get up and do something. So, having activities to do, going for a walk. I think that is just one of the greatest things that you can do. I just did that this morning. I went out. It was a little bit humid out here, even yeah. up in upstate New York, but I said, you know what? I'm I'm going to go for a walk. So, I went out for for just about 20 minutes. It wasn't it wasn't that much, but one of the things that uh, that I talk about with some of my clients is the 60-60-30 rule, which I don't know if you're familiar with it. I also call it the 221 formula. 60 okay. meet being blocks of time. So 60 minutes, 60 minutes and 30 minutes. So it's the first two are are multiples of 2, right? 30 minutes times 2 is 60. So 60 mm-hmm. 60 30. You could actually have 30 30 15. You know, you mm-hmm. can break it down however you want, but uh I tend to find 60 60 30. So the first thing I do when I start working is I set my timer. I get my kitchen timer and I don't use my phone timer because if you use a phone timer, you're tempted to check your phone all the time. And you don't want to be doing that because distractions will really get you off on tangents. Yeah. And I'm ADD boy for sure. I, I always go off on tangents. So I, I'll take that 60 minutes until the timer stops. But then when it stops, then no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm in the middle of a sentence, I've trained myself to just stop, to get up, maybe stretch my legs. Go downstairs out of my office and maybe get a get some water. Usually that's a good time to have some water anyway. And then come back yeah. up, take a couple of deep breaths, and then get energized and then get back in and work for another hour. And at the end of that hour, I want to take a full 30 minutes and I do. I just just take a break, whether it's reading a book, meditating, going for a walk, just doing something. And I find that when I come back, the productivity that you would think you'd lose in that half hour. You're going to mm-hmm. double your productivity, and you're going to feel so much more productive. And again, it follows what you were just saying. You got to rest, mm-hmm. and you got to you got to be able to have fun, and you got to be able to enjoy yourself because that whole culture, that business culture, is um, is definitely hurting. I think it's hurting people. So let me change topics uh, a little bit and talk about this thing that's happening now in our society, and that is people are being trusted finally to work from home because Mm. for years and years, businesses resisted that. No, no, no. Our employees are going to take advantage of that. They're going to be doing things at home while they're supposed to be working. So you had these corporate people that were resisting. Well then this thing called COVID happens. Are we still allowed to say that word? Anyway, uh, (laughs) it happens. And businesses were then forced during the lockdowns and the shutdowns to trust their employees to work from home. And they nervously kind of Mm -hmm. gave that control away. And now what they found out was those people that were working at home were so much more productive and they were able to get more work done that it made up for the fact that sure, maybe there's a few that would kind of slack off along the way but they well made it up in productivity and then of course not to mention a lot of companies that I know of and that I've you know worked with and so forth they have gotten rid of a lot of their offices so they're saving a ton of money on real estate Now, the interesting thing is, Lauren, is now I'm noticing that a few of these CEOs are starting to say, oh, well, now we need to bring all our employees back because, you know, they they've had their fun. Let me touch on that working from home, because we talk about mental health for business when you're working from home. How does that affect your mental health? And what are some things that you can do? Because I know the way I work when we're working from home, we don't take our breaks as much. We Mm -hmm. start getting into some bad habits. So how can we avoid having a mental crash when we're working from home?
0: Yeah, it's actually, it's really interesting. There have been studies that they've done rather recently that actually for as many people, who are happy to work from home, there's almost an equal amount who miss the camaraderie of working in an office, which I think is really interesting. So for me, you know, with, with my clients, when I advise them on either in-person hybrid or remote teams, it's always really important, especially if you're remote to find a way to connect with your peers, with your other team members, because, you know, I mean, I'm going to age myself with saying this, but when you were in the office, you had the water cooler or the break room or or whatever it was, and so there was a little bit of just bumping into connection versus, you know, there's not much human connection with Slack. I mean, yes, you might see I'm using air quotes your your teammates every day on Slack, but you're not really seeing them. So it's really important when you're working from home. I mean, I love the Pomodoro technique that you talked about um, with timing yourself. So it's equally important to make sure that when you're working from home, that you're setting that line of demarcation of my day is done because it's very easy to stay connected with Slack being on your phone or emails or this and that. And I think that some employers have set a culture where you're supposed to be on call all the time. I don't think that's healthy. So setting that boundary for yourself is going to be really important, but also It's my personal opinion that your office should be a separate space so that you can quite literally close the door and walk in, walk out. If you don't have that luxury, then just create a space within your home that is your workspace and and find a way to leave your work computer. Or if you're working on your personal computer to just shut the computer and be very intentional with. I'm going to take a lunch break and not eat lunch at your desk, but actually take a lunch break. And when you're done for the day, be done for the day. Uh, I think that's going to go a really long way, especially for, for entrepreneurs. So I got rid of my office in Texas. I do have an office here in Colorado where I'm, where I'm talking to you from now, but most of the time you know, my office is in my house. So it's really easy to pop on the computer here or there, but I had to be really intentional and know this very important piece of information about what is truly an emergency. So it used to be when I first started my business, I was basically available 24 seven, not really if I was sleeping, but You know, I try and respond to clients instantly, but then that created like stress and anxiety that just to be honest, was not sustainable. So now I really at the front end set the expectation of unless there is bones or blood, I am not available on the weekends. And that choice actually helped to double my business because I had more to give back and so when you set the expectation up front about your availability and what that looks like, and you're again, very intentional with your time and not getting sucked into the vortex, then you'll be able to have much more connection because you'll appreciate getting together with your coworkers and your team, but also you're going to have more energy and your battery is going to be more filled so that when you do have those interactions, you're coming from your best self rather than kind of your run down, Strung out, burned out, self.
1: Yeah, I love that you brought up the camaraderie. That is something that definitely commute the non-commutal culture, I guess, uh, the remote working culture misses. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea to be able to have time together with people in your uh, in your work environment, so you can have those conversations and and have that. One of the things that I've also noticed, and you brought this up too, is the importance of having a workspace at home, your own workspace. When I first started doing my business, I came out of the world. And if you remember my story a little bit and those listening, if you haven't listened to this before, I was an investigator for, you know, for 20 years before I started doing this type of work. And I started working from home when I used to go into an office every day. I set up in the dining room because I could spread out on the dining room table And Mm -hmm. I had my laptop, all my papers, but I found that not having, I mean, the dining room is still part of the house. You're still in the middle of the house. So Mm -hmm. I would get up. A lot of times I'd go refill my water glass or go to the bathroom or whatever. I walk through the kitchen, walk through the kitchen. And what's in the kitchen? Food. Mm -hmm. And I was terrible at snacking. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I said, well, I put on like, six, seven pounds here. I said, what's going on? (laughs) So from that, I took the action of setting up an actual little office space. So now I have an office, um, upstairs. I kind of, uh, repurposed another bedroom in the house, made that into my little office and I go in there and that's where I work. And then when I come out of the office and go downstairs, then I'm not at work or I'm on break. And I also started doing what you just suggested as well. And that's going downstairs and getting something to eat and not bringing it up in here because a lot of times we'll do that. Mm-hmm. So those are really great tips for getting out of that rut of you know being feeling like you're stuck at your desk all the time and so forth. Another thing that we were talking about before, and I wanted to get into this as well, is rest and the importance of getting sleep and those things. One of the things that I've noticed is a lot of times, especially in the entrepreneurial community, they talk about the 6 a.m. club or the 5 a.m. And there's even the 4 a.m. club and getting up early and and being able to start your morning right now. I I believe in morning routines. I think those are great to have. But I think if your body works better, if you're like a, a night person, then mm-hmm. what are you doing trying to be a person that you're not? <laughs> what do you think of that?
0: I think you hit the nail on the head. I'm I'm a big proponent of, well, of two things, really. Build the business that's right for you. You know, don't try and build a business like somebody else you see. But the same is true for build the life that fits you. Because for me, I happen to be a night owl. So, I mean, I've gotten better just because I I tend to actually... I've needed a little more hours in my day. So I've gotten up a little bit earlier, but most of the time I'm going to bed, you know, around midnight or whatnot. And so my day shifts. And so I think what irritates me most about those people that are like, you have to follow this routine is they're so constrictive and regimented that it doesn't allow for life. And, you know, the way that I look at life and business is your business is a living, breathing thing, and it should fit around your life. Your life should not fit around your business. Your life um, should also be created with systems and routines that support it, not trying to fit your life into somebody else's system. So, you know, if you find that you work better by getting up at 7 a.m. and doing a cold plunge and going to the gym, high five. If that's not your jam and you want to do a workout after work, that's totally fine. But I don't think you should feel guilty or shame yourself if you're not in the 4 a.m. club. I am sound asleep at 4 a.m., you know, (laughs) so
1: I'm right there with you, Lauren. uh, That
0: doesn't work for me. Yeah, but I can tell you that I do. However, on I think it's uh, Fridays, I have a 715 workout class. So I'm I'm up early, but that is one day a week. The rest of the days, you know, my workout class is at 8 30 or 5 45 and in the evening. So my best advice for finding what works for you is just try it, but give it 30 days because trying something for a week is not going to give you enough data. So try it for at least 30 days. If it works, great. If it doesn't, try something else.
1: Exactly. No, I love that. I like an old quote. I get it from John Lennon, but it, it's been around for longer. Than I, he must have got it from someplace else. But it's the quote is, life is what happens while we're busy making other plans. Mm-hmm. And if we recognize that, you know, we could have the greatest plans in the world to start joining this 5 a.m. club and getting up every day at five yep. o'clock. But, you know, if that does not fit Into our lifestyle, and it's not the kind of person that we were created to be. If we're more of that night owl, I have found, and again, this kind of goes a little bit against what we talked about before, but I found that sometimes if I'm in bed and I'm tossing and turning and I can't sleep and I'm thinking about something I need to do the next day sometimes I'll just get up, I'll go in my office, open on my computer and I'll just go take care of it. And then when it's done, I'll work a little bit longer till I start to feel a little tired. Then I'll get up and I'll go back into bed. Yep. You know, it's just being able to take advantage of our own body's circadian rhythm, our cycles. And really when we do that, it does help to manage stress. So the other yes. thing that I was going to bring up too was the new world of co-working spaces. Mm. I think those are great things because there are a lot of people that don't work well at home because they're not disciplined enough and they also need that environment of being around people. So the co-working space really has helped. I have a lot of friends and even clients that use the co-working space to their advantage. They get up in the morning, they go into that space, they bring their coffee, they, they have a little desk and they yeah. work and that separates their work and their home. So I think if we want to have the right mental health in our businesses and not bring it home, we have to know how to separate those two. So I think that makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. Co-working is great and especially if you can get your employer to to either split it with you or pay for it that's great.
1: So what are some other things that you think cause stress and other mental health issues in uh in our businesses and in our working?
0: Well, I think that the biggest thing is is social media. <laughs> I know I sound like a 90-year-old um when I'm like darn that social media, but I do think that there's a certain level of you know, we've got our behind the scenes, we see what's happening. And then we see everybody else's highlight reel and entrepreneurs are not the best at sharing all the crap that's going on, (laughs) right? We don't want to air our dirty laundry. And so sometimes we'll look and see someone who has a very similar business to us. And we're like, gosh, they're just, they're just crushing it. Or we think we're crushing, they're crushing it. And we're feeling like we're not measuring up or, you know, something like that. And, and I think that does a lot of damage to our psyche because we're using incomplete data. So it's not comparing apples to oranges. We're really just saying, you know, this is what I see versus like with my business versus what I see with their business. And you don't know, like they might've had a million dollar launch, but then they made $10,000. Right. So maybe reality, you have a more profitable business, but it just doesn't look like it because the metrics that society uses for success, I think are, are skewed and out of date. So I think the, the comparison game is, is something that really hurts businesses, businesses, mental health. And then the other thing is actually something that I recently read about in a book called thinking in bets. And this is a really fascinating thing that just blew my mind when I When I read it, it's called resulting. And I actually did a newsletter about the danger of resulting. So resulting is when you judge a decision as good or bad based on the outcome. And as business owners, like essentially our whole day is made up of decisions and choices. You know, do we do this? Do we do that? Do we take on this client? Do we sell this product? All like a million and one different choices, But something happens when you start resulting and you start correlating the decision to the outcome. The author, Annie Duke, says that's actually really dangerous because if you do that, then you're actually undercutting your decision-making ability and tend to either have hindsight bias where you start to think your decisions are great because you have all of this information now, or you start to actually waver and have a hard time making decisions because the outcomes weren't what you wanted, and she uses a great example in the book. I think it's the Seahawks versus the Patriots, and the coach of the losing team. You know, instead of a pass play, he did a running play, and they ended up no, no, no. Instead of a running play, they did a pass play. The pass play got intercepted. They lost the Super Bowl, and the newspapers and TV commercials were or not TV commercials, newscasters were not kind to him and saying like worst call in history, he should be fired, all the things. When in reality, he made the best decision in the moment with the fact that it was like a 6% chance of an interception based on the game versus not making it across the end zone with a push. And so he said, you know, it wasn't the outcome that we wanted, but it was the right decision. And I think that, That that right there is something that entrepreneurs can do to really help shore up their mental health is understanding that, especially with like, I've seen since COVID, like entrepreneurs mental health has just tanked. I really think it's because somewhere along the line, we were like, oh, maybe our decisions aren't what they should be. But the truth is you made the best decision in that moment with the information that you had. And the rest is unfortunately not in our control and a little bit up to luck. And so when we can have grace for ourselves and, and really say, what is this in this present moment? What is the best decision? I think we'll have a lot more success than trying to have everything figured out all at once. And and then judging ourselves when we don't get it right. So I think just understanding that there's a danger in resulting, you comparing yourself to anyone else is just kind of the kiss of death (laughs) and then giving ourselves grace because building a business is, as I like to say, personal development with a paycheck. So if you can have grace for yourself and admit that you need support or talk to somebody or get yourself a group of other entrepreneurs where you actually talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, and ride that emotional roller coaster together, I think you'll be in a really good place.
1: I love that. That's great. A personal development with a paycheck. I'm going to try to remember that. That's a great quote, Lauren. I really appreciate that. And some of the concepts that you are giving are right out of one of my favorite books. And some people don't like the book, but I really like it because it's been out there for a long time. It's a tried and true, and that's Think and Grow Rich, the Napoleon Mm. Hill book, because he talks about Number one, the mastermind principle, the importance of being around people who you can bounce those things off of. It's so important, but making decisions right away. And Mm -hmm. one of the great things that you can do and anyone can do out there listening who wants to learn how to make the decisions right away, when you go to a restaurant, open up the menu, just glimpse at it real quick. The first thing that catches your eye, order it. And don't sit and agonize over the menu and get in the habit of doing that. Because if you get in the habit of making decisions quickly, most of the time you'll make the right ones. But if you make the wrong ones, you might have made the wrong ones anyway. And there's really no right or wrong. There's only lessons learned. And I think that's important. Norman Schwarzkopf. And again, this dates me in age. If you remember him, he was the first Gulf War back when george w bush or not george w the first george Bush, george hw bush bush yep. one i will call him was president and yep. we had the gulf war and schwarzkopf was in charge well before that when he was a young colonel he was working for a general and uh, i don't know if you've heard this story before lauren but it's fascinating that, He working yeah. for a general and the general that uh, he was working for he was doing research on trying to decide this thing that the Pentagon had been trying to make a decision on for years and years and years and they could not make a decision what happens is they send in two teams team a and team b to present their information so team a goes in they give this great presentation and then team b comes in and gives this great presentation and they ask the general which team should you go for and he says let's go with team b and Schwarzkopf catches them you know permission to speak sir (laughs) he talks to him afterwards and says you know this meeting was moved up and i didn't have enough time to go through and brief you on all this information i mean how could you make a decision so quickly and he said you just got to make a decision because they had been wasting seven years not making it so one method was as good as the other so just make the decision and if it's the wrong one then you'll find out and then you can do the other So really, that is a Mm -hmm. major lesson learned from someone who definitely learned in life the importance of making decisions. So I love how you brought that up.
0: Oh, I love that. If I can add to that point really quick, when you get in analysis paralysis or what I call the how hell hole where you're getting ready to get ready to get ready to get ready it just, it like creates this self-fulfilling prophecy. And I see a lot of business owners. So they're my, my friend Cameron Harold says, if the rate of change inside your business is less than the rate of change outside your business, then you will soon be out of business. And because the landscape of business and technology is changing so fast, I'm not saying that you should like upend your business and change all your products and services. That's not the rate of change. It's about being adaptable and flexible and able to pivot. Cause a lot of businesses that survived the pandemic, um, they survived because they were able to pivot quickly. And I see a lot of times very successful businesses get in trouble because they're overthinking something to the point where they're actually missing the wave. Cause there's in t- there's a specific timing in business where, if you're good at reading trends and things like that, you can actually catch the wave or be on the first part of the wave. Or even if you're not at the forefront, you can still ride it. But then, a lot of entrepreneurs who are so analytical or so afraid of making a decision because they don't want to make a mistake, then they actually make the biggest mistake, which is missing the wave entirely. And so, those kind of things. That are keeping you stuck are probably just this analysis paralysis. So I love the idea of the menu and just making a decision. And and the truth is, I think it's actually who is it? Marie Forleo, I think wrote a book. I haven't read it, but everything is figure outable. So when you launch and learn, you can always change something, you can always add something, tweak something. Most businesses just need two millimeters of tweaking. To get going and increase flow and profitability and all of that. So it's not big changes. It's just those little changes that you can make, kind of like a plane on autopilot. I don't know if you know how, do you know how a plane on autopilot works? So I thought you just like kind of set it and forget it, kind of like cruise control, right? (laughs) But what actually happens is let's say you're flying from New York to Paris. They do, quote, unquote, set it and forget it. But what's happening is it's making microscopic degree adjustments in altitude and direction, et cetera, so that you actually end up in Paris instead of Brussels. And the same is true for your business and your mental health. It's not the big things. It's the little things every day that you're doing that are either going to get you closer to your vision, closer to your goals, have a healthier, happier, more fulfilled life or not. And so if you can get, and I actually, I gave one of my clients this task because he likes to overthink things. He said, great. So I'm going to have you do one scary thing every day and build this evidence locker that it's okay to make mistakes or do things without having it all figured out. So every day he sends me the subject line is scary email for whatever. And he's like, today I took a phone call from a client and I had no idea what was going to talk about. And it was really nerve wracking, but it turned out to be a really simple conversation. He was very happy and it was great. And he's like, definitely going in the evidence locker. So it's just, I don't know. It's, I guess, being comfortable with the uncomfortable and knowing that there is no possible, possible way that you can have it all figured out. You can just do the best you can and make the best decision in this moment.
1: I love it. Yeah, I recommend that book too. I read that. Everything is figure-outable. Actually, I think yeah. I listened to the audio version, which is even more fun because Marie actually reads the book. Oh. With yeah, it was really good. I tend to listen to a lot of audiobooks when I'm doing a lot of driving, so mm-hmm. yeah, I yeah. think and the other thing that that goes along with is when you have a monumental task in front of you, mm-hmm. break it down and say, "Okay, yes. what's the first thing I have to do?" And just do that first thing. Mm -hmm. and then worry about the next thing later. And you have to do that. I have this, my little office here, and I really need to get a little bit more organized. So (laughs) you can't see the office because I love to use these uh, virtual backgrounds from Zoom because they make my life look much more like people want it to look like on social media, as we talked about before. But uh, if I need to clean things up a little bit, what's the first thing I have to do? Well, I need to get a filing cabinet to reorganize my files and okay so that's your first thing just do that worry about the mm-hmm. first thing and then go on to the next thing and you'll find that it'll take a lot of the pressure off because if you, you can do one thing if you break everything down now i know yeah. you and i could probably sit here and probably go on for another hour or two discussing oh, this topic yeah. and, and other things but before we close out today a couple things mm-hmm. anything that we didn't talk about today that you wanted to bring up any tips to uh, keeping your sanity when you're uh, in your work environment or in your business?
0: I mean, I guess my the last nugget I'll leave you with is something that really served me was daily themes. So if you look at my week, Monday's meeting Monday, Tuesday and Thursday are client days. Wednesday, this day changed my whole life. Um, it's my admin day. Now it's a little bit of a misnomer because some people think this is the day where you catch up on all the stuff. Um, but this is the day actually to work on your business, not in your business. So Wednesdays is the day that I do anything that's going to actually move my business forward, which is different for every business, but having this day set aside where you can't get on my calendar, unless it's moving the business forward, ended up doubling my business, which was a very happy surprise. (laughs) Um, and then Friday is, I call it freebie Friday. So it could be financial Friday where we're getting our financials in order. It could be, I get to do a diagnostic because the time frame didn't work for anyone else. Or, you know, so I travel a lot for clients and, and also just for fun. So that could also just be a, a buffer day. But then Saturday is one of my other favorite days. It happens to be the day that I felt like was the best day to do nothing. Because, you know, the week's done. Sunday, I like to go f- see friends, do other things, also prepare for the week. But Saturday generally is the day where I am unplugging completely, unless I'm traveling or like there's a beautiful event, like a baby shower or a wedding or something. Most of the time, I lovingly will not talk to another human being because I'm actually an introvert. <laughs> so my little introvert battery gets charged. I'm doing laundry. Laundry brings me a lot of joy, <laughs> as does cleaning. Um, I mean, I do have a wonderful cleaning cleaning lady, but I do like to organize. That gives me a sense of control when I can't. When I feel like things outside of me can't be controlled, I just oh, go I, organize.
1: I know how that goes. Not the organizing, <laughs> but the control.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I sleep in, and you know, I'll go grocery shopping or cook a lovely meal. But that day, Saturday and Wednesday, like really, truly doubled my business because I was actually able to get my business, keep my business in mind and keep growing it. Because sometimes I think as business owners, we are so good at providing for our clients. We forget to provide for ourselves. So that made sure, you know, we were consistent. And then also it just made sure that I was at my best to serve my clients. Cause I can actually notice when I'm traveling or have stuff on Saturday and I'm not able to take that day, how it actually has diminishing returns throughout the week. So that would be my last nugget is to really figure out what your rhythm is and find time to just exist. Yeah. So wow. That's what I
1: got. And that's very biblical on the seventh day. Lauren rested. <laughs>
0: right. But right. It,
1: it is true. We do need yeah. to have mean, Sabbath rest. Yes.
0: I do. Yeah, I know. Technically, it is it is Shabbat. You know, I'm I'm Jewish, so I don't exactly take the Shabbat, but I, I sort of take the Shabbat, if you will.
1: Exactly. I think that's another topic we could go into. And the there's Please, a couple yeah. o- there were a couple other things that you just mentioned that I go, oh, that would be a really good topic, too. But anyway. Lauren, if people were interested in reaching out for you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
0: So probably the best way right now, since I'm already in your ear, is to go listen to my podcast, The Biz Doctor, available on all streaming platforms. Otherwise, I have some great resources for business owners on my website, goldenkeypartnership.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn or Instagram. My handle on Instagram is it's Lauren Goldstein. But yeah, that's. I would say my podcast is probably the number one way that you can come hang with me and get some other great tips and tools and perspective shifts that will help you run your business better and have um, even better mental health.
1: The biz doctor will give you a prescription for better mental health.
0: Yeah. I love it. Exactly.
1: Before exactly. we close, Lauren, exactly. I always ask my guests this question to end the show. And that is simply this, What does being purposely positive mean to you?
0: Oh, golly. Um, I feel like that could be a whole nother topic too. I think for me, purposely positive is surrendering to the emotions that you're feeling and choosing responsibility. Because I do believe that there is something that's not supportive for mental health, which is this like toxic positivity where it's like, oh, just, you know, I don't know, make it better versus, okay, you know what? It actually sucks right now, but I'm choosing to be in responsibility. I'm choosing to be in vision. I'm choosing to see how this is happening for me, not to me, rather than just kind of trying to sugarcoat it or put on rose-colored glasses and stuff it down. I really feel like we, as a society, get to do better at feeling the emotions and letting them process through our bodies. I mean, there's a whole... There's a whole thing I could go down about how dis-ease is unexpressed emotions in your body. So yeah, I would just say that for me, the positivity is surrendering to whatever you're feeling, not making it right or wrong, but really just allowing it to be a great teacher for you and in using it as a springboard to move you closer to your goals
1: surrendering to your feelings and using them as as a springboard to move closer to your goals. That's perfect. That's a great answer, Lauren. Yeah, Yeah. and I I agree with you. There's another podcast about (laughs) DCs. Yeah, uh, that's great. Well, this has been fun, and uh, I would love to uh, have you back sometime in the future, because I'm sure there's a ton of things that we could cover. So uh, thanks again for being on the podcast.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute honor and blast. And I can't wait to get this into everybody's ears.
1: And you've been listening to strive to thrive the purposely positive podcast brought to you by tonywcoaching.com, where your greatest success is right in front of you. And you may be out there and you may have a wake-up call moment when it comes to mental health or anything else, really. You can download a free resource, an ebook called Strive to Thrive, and it'll help you in the direction of a purposely positive life.